I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today, we are continuing our parenting series covering type two and what to keep in mind when it comes to parenting as your type. But first, today's rose, bud, and thorn. My rose today is I am drinking my favorite tea right now. It's called Snow Day from Asheville Tea Company, and it's mint tea with cacao nibs, and it tastes like mint chocolate chip, and it's amazing. My thorn is I've, I've gotten into writing this series. I'm realizing how much information is going to be covered for each type. And in order for me to do it justice, I really think each Enneagram type needs its own episode. So this is gonna be a bit longer of a series than I'd planned. However, I do wanna remind you, um, if you are listening and you're not a parent, that these episodes will be eye-opening for you, just to understand how you've been parented and what that has meant to you. And my bud is that I'm going to say it again. I'm getting on a plane and my it's my favorite time to fly. We leave at 10 a.m., which is not as early as my usual flights, which have me leaving my house at 4 a.m., but also not so late in the day that I arrive at my destination too late to do anything. So I'm really excited about my little itinerary I have going on. Okay. Hello, I'm excited to dig into this topic. For each type, we'll do a brief overview of the Enneagram type, strengths in parenting, areas to watch out for, and tips for an easier time. I will be heavily referencing the book, Know Your Parenting Personality by Janet Levine for this series. However, her book goes much more in depth, so I will make sure to link it below for you if you wanna give it a read. I highly encourage you to do it. Um, okay, so let's talk about type two. Type twos are our helpers. They fear being unlovable. They want, they are motivated being, by being liked and helpful. Um, you know, I talk a lot about like the Enneagram is who you think you have to be. Type twos believe they have to be loved and liked and that they have to earn that love and that, that like through being available to other people. Type twos typically have a blindness to their own needs and wants because they are so focused on the needs and wants of other people. And so this can help make it difficult for them to meet their needs or to take care of themselves because they focus so much of their attention outward. So what does this look like in terms of being a great parent? Like what are the strengths that you can build on here? First is type twos are typically very supportive and available parents. They are emotionally in tune. They tend to be very giving. You know, they're the parents who will like always have snacks in the cabinet, who um, will, you know, want to take you to do the things that you're really excited about. They're interested in you. They're interested in the things you're interested in and they want to take care of you. Um, they tend to be very caring, emotionally connected, nurturing, empathetic, uh, and they tend to see and encourage the potential in others. This is probably my favorite thing about type twos is they pick up on your skill sets and they really uplift you and encourage encourage you and make you believe like I can do anything. And I, and my mom is a type two. And this is one of the main things I got from her is like, um, you can do, you can do it. <laughs> you know, I believe in you. I think you're special. And that is kind of what our, that's one of the major strengths of our type twos. Now things to look out for here as a type two is, you know, maybe wanting to be needed to the point of crossing boundaries or even enabling the kiddo to not rely on themselves or to learn skill sets that they need to learn. You know, maybe they don't 
learn how to do their laundry until they're older or learn how to cook for themselves until they're much older than maybe they could have started. The um, other things to keep in mind is a need for approval. So kind of feeling frustrated when you're not being praised or people aren't grateful for you. Um, you may unconsciously play favorites to tend to kind of pick the person that they think they need to impress the most or make the most happy and forget the, you know, kind of not give the same energy to everybody. So be conscious of that. Um, the other thing, we'll talk more about this in a second, is is potential manipulation. And we'll talk about why that happens and how that happens and how to avoid it in, the, in a minute. Um, don't click off now because I said that. I know it's a scary word. Um, the next one is playing different characters for different people. So saying one thing to the kid, one thing to the teacher. This is something that my mom did a lot. She would talk to my teacher who would maybe be having a problem with me. And she would tell the teacher like, I 100% support you. Everything you're saying makes sense. She's definitely gonna be punished at home. <laughs> and then to me, she would say, um, your teacher's being weird. What a weird rule, I don't think you need to worry about that she seems mean you know so she's kind of saying one thing to the teacher to make the teacher happy with her one thing to me to make me happy with her and um i still to this day will have no idea what her actual thoughts and feelings were about the situation so um that's one thing that can come up as a two and the other thing is you know becoming resentful and angry when you are working really hard and you don't feel acknowledged you don't feel like you're getting the credit that you want or deserve so how do we work with this information to do less harm to ourselves and our littles while maintaining these amazing strengths that you have so the first thing to do is to build boundaries you need time away from your children physical time away and this is easier said than done, right? I know that this isn't always easy, but it's important that you take physical time away. You need to miss them and they need to miss you. You need space um, so that you can be excited to, to parent again because you tend to wear yourself out and so that they can feel independent and like they can rely on themselves or rely on the other parent or um, self-regulate. The second reason, the second kind of boundaries that you need to build is to respect their boundaries. Giving without being asked limits their ability to self-regulate and become independent. And it's not as altruistic as you might think. Um, you know, oftentimes our twos, re we're giving with hopes of receiving. You know, you're giving because you wanna thank you. You're giving because you want them to think you're the best mom ever. You're giving because you have needs that are going unmet and you're hoping someone will notice already and take care of you in return um, so we'll get you know we're gonna flush a lot of these ideas out as we keep going the second thing is to state your needs manipulation arises out of fear of expressing your wants and needs so you try to get those needs met without having to communicate so what essentially what you're saying is, you know, I want to know that you love me. And so if I make you this breakfast, then I'm going to get the acknowledgement that shows me that I am loved. So when you don't get that acknowledgement, it feels offensive, right? Because that's the reason you did it, right? So, or um, maybe you say like, I'm so lonely and I need you to stay home today because I, I just want some company. Um, you know, these are forms of kind of getting people to do what you want them to do with kind of out being direct and honest with yourself or them about what you really need. 
So don't wait for someone to notice that you need something in order for you to get it. Um, use your words and take care of yourself. And if you've been here a while, y'all, I know you're probably sick of this advice, but if that's the case, I am curious if you've actually tried it <laughs> or if you're just like, she gives me the same advice over and over again and I just continue not to do it. So this is my challenge to actually do this. Ask yourself every morning, what does my heart, mind, and body need today? And how do I plan on giving that to myself? Not how do I hope someone will notice that and give it to me? Not how can I um, give this to someone else in hopes that they'll give it back to me? No, how do I give this to myself? Um, and maybe you need to ask someone for the time. Say like, okay, partner, I have these things that I need today. I need you to um, be solo parenting for two hours today while I go do these things and take care of myself or mom or friend can we do a barter situation or sign them up for daycare whatever you need to do to get those needs met um, but don't rely on your kids or your spouse to know what you need and give it to you without you even naming them to yourself this podcast is sponsored by better help People don't always realize the physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping in too little, sleeping too much, undereating, overeating. I don't know if you know this about me, but I am a high stress individual. I've always been a high stress individual, just constantly finding something to be worried about, something to stress over, like... I keep my lifestyle pretty full and it has caused me headaches, jaw pain, digestive issues. It has caused, you know, harm in my relationships. Like there's so much that goes into it. And honestly, stress shows up in all kinds of ways. And in a world that tells you to do more, sleep less, grind all the time, this is your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. I have loved therapy. I It has helped me so much with not only feeling less alone, but also feeling supported in the freedom to rest. My therapist is constantly saying to me, I know you think you're doing not very much, but this is all still a lot. You know, she constantly pulls me back. And if you study the Enneagram, you can bring the Enneagram into your therapy conversations. Talk about those childhood wounds, talk about those fears, those motivations, and let them help you to find some peace. Personally, BetterHelp was such a gift to me, as you know, during a really difficult time of my life when I lost my father. Just having someone there um, meant a lot to me because I was able to communicate with my therapist the day that I found out and every day for the week after. This is so abnormal compared to traditional therapy where you maybe you eat once a week, every other week. I was able to text with my therapist every single day and get a response. It was such an absolute gift to have someone on my team during that time. Now, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. 
So it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. So you can give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. Enneagram and Coffee listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash egram. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash egram. Thank you, BetterHelp, for supporting the podcast. So number one, boundaries. Number two, state your needs. Number three, build an identity outside of the roles that you play. Often when asking a type two who they are, they describe the relationships they're in. I'm a mom to two incredible children. I'm a husband to the love of my life. But it's important that you know who you are outside of these relationships because you tend to alter your behavior based on who you're interacting with. And so it can be easy to lose sight of your actual essence, your being. And this puts a lot of pressure onto those relationships. If you feel rejected by your children as they grow up and start to gain independence and you don't have a strong sense of self, that's a burden to your children. They're gonna be carrying that even if it's unintentional. And y'all, this is a harsh one. I'm gonna be honest, this one's harsh, but it's lying. And this is something that may be hard to accept. When you do it, right, it's often from a place of trying to meet people where they are, support them emotionally. However, from the outside, it feels like you're deceptive or false because you are quite literally being deceptive and false. Even if it is with positive intentions, it can break the trust of the your children or your spouse or the people in your life if they feel like you're being two different people in different scenarios. Number four, your children need to know that they are supported by a strong container, that you aren't being controlled by their every whim, right? It's important that you set those expectations and boundaries for them so they know that there is something solid to land on, but also to show them what it looks like to have a strong sense of self so that they know how to mirror that as they get older. So number three is develop a strong sense of self. Number four, prioritize where you are helping. Often our greatest strengths for any Enneagram type are used more for strangers than for those that we love the most. There's kind of an inherent safety in a family unit. So we may focus kind of all of our best qualities, our helping energy and that attention outward and kind of leave the scraps for those at home who we know will always be there. So just make sure to check in and focus your energy in the places that really do matter the most. Number five, check your motivations when you do give. Are you giving with the hope of receiving something in return? If so, it's not truly giving, right? It's a form of manipulation. Make sure to give only when you can do so from a place of 100% altruism. Now, when I say this, type twos often say, you know, with our children, I don't always want to give. So should I not feed them because I want to thank you? What I mean when I say this is that you should give when you would do it privately without any accolades or response. You're not going to let your child starve. So you're going, you're giving from a place of altruism, right? Um, it may not feel good to not get a thank you. It may feel way better if they praise you for it, but you would do it either way. Number six, set personal limits. You are one of the most others focused types on the Enneagram, and this can easily lead to burnout for you and smothering for your loved ones. Make sure that you have limits to when you give and how much because you want to take care of yourself and make sure that the people in your life know that you are there for them, but you're not so there for them that they can't be there for themselves. 
So my personal limit is that I ask before giving. And this means that I'm rarely giving to someone who is unappreciative because I'm not giving to someone who resents my help. If you've ever given to someone who did not want your help, it feels bad for everyone. You feel like you can't possibly be thanked enough. They feel like they don't even want to say thank you because they didn't want this in the first place. And so everybody just feels terrible. So with our little, I say, do you want emotional support, a solution or space? And nine times out of 10, he wants space, which is the thing that comes least naturally to me because it's the least gratifying for me. But through this, he is learning to advocate for his needs, and he also knows that I'm there for him in the ways that he most needs, not because I want to be seen as good and loving and kind or because I want snuggles. You know, it's because I'm really prioritizing him in that choice. Number seven, learn to self-validate. I have told this story about a hundred times, but I'm going to tell it again. A revolutionary moment for me in this because... Here's the thing, I think this experience is so common, especially for wives and mothers, and especially for stepmothers, because we're really invisible, (laughs) but also, you know, for our type twos and our types who are more giving oriented, the sense that we're doing invisible labor, you know, that all of the things that we're doing are going unseen, unnoticed. And I remember one particular night with our little, and he must've been four, Um, He was having a really hard time sleeping. He's always kind of struggled with sleep. And I was sitting up with him. I had had a long work day that day. I had cleaned the whole house. I'd done dinner. I'd put the dishes away. And here I am at four in the morning, sitting there holding our kiddo, singing him to sleep. And I can't sing a lick, um, but I'm doing it anyway because it's comforting for him. And I just felt like invisible. Like no one sees what I am doing. And that is a lonely feeling. And I am sure as a two that you have felt this feeling before. And here's what I did. And I continue to do this to my, for myself whenever this feeling arises. I just said, you are doing an amazing job. I'm so proud of you. You are a wonderful mother. Look at you up at 4 a.m., not judging him, not shaming him, loving him, comforting him, not telling him to shut up and go to bed. You are sitting with him. You are present with him. You are doing an amazing job. I am so proud of you. And guess what? It doesn't feel as good as someone else saying it to you, but man, it feels good. It's so soothing and so gratifying and the longer lasting and always available um, when you can do this for yourself. Number eight, be aware of a tendency toward permissive parenting. So permissive parenting is a real danger for twos because they fear a break in relationships. They seek validation for how lovable they are, and so they struggle to offer proper boundaries and limitations to their children. It may seem like the most loving thing to let your child do their own thing and experience freedom. However, children need limitations. They need boundaries and structure, and and that offer them a sense that they are safe. So if you want a reminder as to why permissive parenting doesn't work, check out the first episode of this series. It goes much more in detail on that. But um, just be mindful that that might be where you lean. I'm not saying that you are a permissive parent. It just might be a little bit more natural. And finally, number nine, practice simply asking for help. 
And this can be unnerving for most twos. It sounds simple, but the sense that they are going to be rejected or shamed for asking what you, for what they need is so intense that it can feel inconceivable until they practice. But y'all, so many of you got really good at this and it's magic. I know twos who do this really well and y'all, mm, it's chef's kiss. So good. So let's talk about what this looks like in practice. So my favorite example, I hate to do the dishes. So this is where my resentment arises the most. Um, let's say, you know, I've cooked a long dinner. I've worked a long day. I feel obligated to do these dishes, but I am tired. Um, for a long time, I would wash those dishes and the whole time I was washing them, I was just getting angrier and angrier and more frustrated and more like, why isn't someone coming in here to help me? Don't they know that I've had a long day? Why wouldn't they? Blah, blah, blah. All these like fun stories that we tell ourselves. And then I switched it and I started just saying, I'm going to solve the problem. And so I started, instead of saying, if I noticed I was grumbling to myself, I would go, what's the problem and what's a potential solution? And here is the thing that makes it tricky is oftentimes the solution involves another human being or leaving something undone. So you, I start with asking my husband, Hey, can you take care of the dishes tonight? I am feeling tired. And most twos, when this time arises, they say, but what if they say no? Because they have autonomy, right? They have the right to say no. Here's the thing. You also have the right to say no, right? No one's telling you, you have to do those dishes, right? You're telling yourself that. And so just like my husband has the right to say no, I have the right to say no. So if both of us are too tired to do the dishes tonight, the dishes will get done tomorrow when one of us gets to it. Both of us can say no at any time. The other way that we can just simply do this is phrasing it like, hey, I need you to da 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 da, right? Like, I need you to run to the grocery store and grab some milk today. Um, hey, I need you to go get your laundry out of the thing. Um, with our kiddo, I'll say, hey, I need you to um, clean your room today, okay? And I need you to do it really well. I need you to really pay attention to what you're doing. Don't kind of half do it. And just get used to saying, I need you to blank. It's scary, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll be doing it, I promise. Okay, friends, that's what we have for you today for our type twos. Let me know on Instagram if you have any questions. Um, we will keep this series going until we get all the way back to type one. So stay tuned. Once that is done, we will end the conversation around children and their Enneagram type. So don't worry, that is coming. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you, and I will see you on Monday for the next episode. <music>